We've all made different promises at different times to many different people. And hopefully we keep them, but unfortunately as humans, we're not always very good at that. There's a story about President Abraham Lincoln who kept a promise his entire life. This was a promise that came into play one time when he was riding in a coach with a colonel from Kentucky. <laughs> Never heard that one before. This is interesting. I'm up here, so I can't run back there and fix things. So there's a story about President Abraham Lincoln. And uh, he, was in a, he was in a coach with a colonel con uh, from Kentucky. And the colonel offered him a bottle of whiskey. And Abraham Lincoln said, no, thank you, I don't drink whiskey. And then the colonel offered him a cigar. And he said, no, thank you, I don't, I don't smoke. And then Lincoln said, I want to tell you why I don't do those things. I want to tell you a story. So Lincoln said, one day when I was about nine years old, my mother called me to her bed. She was very sick, and she said, Abe, the doctors tell me that I'm, I'm not going to get well, and I want you to be a good boy. I want you to promise me before I go that you will never use whiskey or tobacco as long as you live. And Lincoln promised his mother that he never would, and he said, up until this hour, I've kept this promise. Would you advise me to break that promise, Colonel? The Colonel put his hand on Lincoln's shoulder and said, Mr. Lincoln, I would not have you break that promise for the world. We value promises. We put such a high value on our word and on honesty. And when we fail at our promises, we sometimes look down on ourselves or at others. Thankfully, we can never do that about God because he never breaks his promises. Lincoln kept this promise for ent his entire life. God keeps his promises for all eternity. God keeps his amazing promises. And today we're diving into the second sermon in our long story sermon series as we look at the big picture of Christmas. Not just Christmas on December 25th, but Christmas throughout the entire story of the Bible. And today we're going to focus on that Christmas means that God keeps his promises. And we're going to look at two promises that point to Christmas. We're going to look at the promise of Abraham and the promise that God gave to David. And these are sometimes called covenants, which are a little different than promises. Covenants are, in fancy terms, bilateral. They're the idea that I will do something so long as you do something. They're promises with conditions. And in both these cases, Abraham and David, they did their part. And God is still to this day doing his amazing response to these promises. So... I'm Caleb here, an intern, just so you guys know. And let's dive into that first covenant with Abraham in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. So in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3, the Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. I will bless you, I will make you a blessing to others, and I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So here God is telling Abraham to leave his native country and go to the land that God will provide. To leave his father's family and his relatives. 
in the ancient Near East, your land was your property. It was your wealth. It was who you are. And your inheritance was so important. And God was asking him to leave all of that, to forsake all that was his identity, and to leave his identity in Christ and into the land that God would show him. So Abraham left. Abraham fulfilled his part of the covenant. He left his native land and eventually went to Canaan. And God fulfilled his part too. There's two parts here. There's first the immediate answer to the covenant, the idea of a nation and descendants. And this was fulfilled in the nation of Israel. Centuries later, over a million Israelites were led by Moses out of Egypt and then by Joshua into where? The promised land. The promised land. God fulfilled his covenant. He keeps his promises. But more than that, there's the second part of this covenant that continues to this day. That's the last line of Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. The last line of that is, all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. And this is echoed in Genesis 23, verses 16 to 18, where it says later in, in Genesis, where God says to Abraham, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. Seashore, it's a tongue twister. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you've obeyed me. Again, we have this at the end where it says that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And apparently I put the wrong scripture slide in the slide, so we can just turn that screen off because that is not at all what I'm reading right here. So it says, and through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. This is what God said to Abraham. And this blessing is Jesus. And I love the parallels between this, because at the beginning of the passage, God said to Abraham, Because you obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. And just as Abraham did not withhold his one son, his only son, so too did God not withhold his son, his only son. But he gave his only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son, Jesus, to earth so that we might have life and so that all nations of the earth will be blessed. Jesus is that blessing. Jesus is the blessing that God promised millennia before to Abraham. He's that blessing, period. And this Christmas, we can remember that God keeps his promises. God kept his promise to Abraham of providing that blessing of Jesus. And this blessing is further expanded upon in Acts chapter 3, verses 24 to 26. Here in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they've just finished uh, healing a lame man at the temple. I'm sure many of you guys know this story. I remember a Sunday school song that goes along with it, where Peter and John went to pray, and they healed the lame man on the way. 
So they did this, and crowds were amazed. They gathered around. And Peter, being a very good pastor, never missed an opportunity to preach. He never missed an opportunity to share the gospel. So that is what he's talking about. He's preaching to this crowd at the temple in verse 24. So in verse 24, it says, Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. You are the children of the prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, Through your descendants, all the families on the earth will be blessed. And when God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. So the blessing, as we mentioned before, is Jesus. Through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed, he said to Abraham. How? When God raised up his servant, Jesus. And this blessing covers so many aspects. There's so many great things. Jesus is the greatest gift. We say that all the time. But there's one aspect of blessing I wanted to touch on this verse in Acts, which I thought was quite interesting. Because it says that when God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel to bless you. How does he bless them? By turning each of you back from your sinful ways. Now, when I think of blessing, I don't often think of confrontation or uh, criticism. When I think of blessing, I often think of nice, warm, fuzzy things, encouragement, compliments, gift-giving. But here it's saying that Jesus, part of this blessing that was promised so long ago to Abraham, is confrontation, is rebuking, is helping us turn from our sinful ways. And here it says it's to Israel. But Israel is not just the descendants of Abraham anymore. In Galatians 3.7, it says that the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. That's us. Jesus is that blessing promised so long ago to Abraham. And part of that blessing is that not just his love, but that he brings correction and challenge to us as a broken people. So at Christmas, we can remember that God keeps his promises. He keeps his promises to bless us and to rebuke us. And we are broken, and we need that rebuking and confrontation sometimes. I know this season of Christmas, I love Christmas. I love being able to get together with family, being able to read and remember Jesus' birth, being able to eat all the delicious Christmas baking, and probably gaining 10 pounds over the Christmas break. But I love Christmas. I'm not a huge fan as much of the month of December, unfortunately. To me, December has always meant a crazy and hectic month, a month full of exams or full of extra work, trying to cram everything in before heading out for Christmas. It's meant extra activities, whether that be in high school, it was coaching bat or scorekeeping basketball or extra AV or extra this and that. And so many different things seem to compound together in December. And in the midst of that, I can forget God's promises. I can forget some of these promises that Christmas points to Jesus. And a lot of other things can rise to the surface and take my attention off of Jesus. For one, this December, one of the things that I've realized a lot has just been my pride. How my pride 
and desire for responsibility and desire for personal affirmation from others can take, can take hold. And I take on more than I should. I say yes to more things and more things just because I want that personal affirmation. And so for me, it's pride that's distracting me from God's promises this Christmas. And for you, there might be other things that are distracting from God's promises. Maybe that's Christmas. Maybe that's a grudge against someone. Maybe that's needing to ask someone for forgiveness for something you did. Maybe it's being selfish. This December, we need to remember that Jesus is the blessing that God promised to Abraham. That blessing that loves, is graceful and full of mercy, but is also full of rebuking and confrontation to help us turn back from our sins. So how do we ask Jesus? Well, we have to do that. We have to ask him, pray, spend time thinking and asking God to help you. He can give us the, he will give us the strength to stand up under temptation. That's another of the promises of God. And the other people around us too can help hold us accountable. We're, we have an amazing place here at South Langley Church with people that are willing to hold each other accountable. And sometimes remembering God's promises means taking a step of faith, even though, like Abraham, he did not necessarily know where God was going to lead. Sometimes God wants us to take that first step, and then he will show us where the path is going. Or even then, he might not. So now we've talked a bit about God's promises with Abraham and how that points to Jesus and how it points to Christmas. So let's look at God's promise with David. We're going to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7. And in this chapter, David had just asked the prophet Nathan if he could build a temple for God. And the first part of this chapter is about Nathan's response that God gave him about how David is not to be the one to build the temple, but is in fact, it's going to be his son. And the first part of this covenant is God promising to David that he will give him peace in his reign. He'll provide a homeland and a safe place for Israel, rest from their enemies. And God does this. There's unprecedented peace from foreign nations in David's time in his reign. But the covenant we're going to focus on starts at the end of verse 11. Where it says, Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod, like any father would do. But my fiver will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time. Your throne will be secure forever. Now part of this, part of this verse, this covenant, is talking about Solomon, David's son. He is the one that will build the temple for God, the magnificent temple. However, obviously, the kingdom, the earthly kingdom of David did not continue forever. We know that after Solomon, there was more kings and the kingdom split into Judah and Israel. And both of those kingdoms after time were taken over by foreign nations. 
those kingdoms ended. But the kingdom that does last forever is not the one that continues before men. But this is God speaking, and he says, Your house and your kingdom will continue before me, before God, for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. The earthly kingdom ended, but the heavenly one did not. And this heavenly kingdom is talked about in Luke chapter 1, where the angel says to Mary, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. Here it is exactly again. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Here's the connection exactly. Just as David was promised to by God that his house and his kingdom will continue before all time, so too God shows us that that promise was answered in David or in Jesus. The angel says to Mary that he, she will give birth to a son and name him Jesus, and he is the one that will rule on the throne of his ancestor David, and his kingdom will never end. The heavenly kingdom of Jesus will never, ever end. Christmas means we can remember that God keeps his promises. He kept his promise to David that his kingdom would never end, and that is fulfilled in Jesus. His reign will never end. So this Christmas, we often think of a baby born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling cloths, which is beautiful and great. And I'm so amazed at the humility of God that he was willing to come to earth as a baby. It's so beautiful that he was able to do that. But let's not just remember this Christmas that Jesus was a baby, but also remember that Jesus is the eternal king, the ultimate ruler, the one that sits on that throne. Think about the wise men. When they came to visit Jesus, they came to visit a king. They came bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, what you would give to a king. They came to worship him and adore him. They traveled for months, if not years, to gather, to get to Jesus. They sacrificed so much of their lives to go and worship and adore Jesus. They were not afraid to let someone else rule on the throne of their life. They were not afraid to let someone else be king. Contrast that with Herod. He was petrified when he heard about a king that might threaten his throne. He responded with rebellion and anger. And he tried to do everything that he could in his own power to prevent anyone from taking that throne from him. He did not want another king in his life. He wanted to be the only king. He wanted no one else to have control over him. And we think of Herod as this evil, evil villain. But sometimes we do that too. Sometimes we forget that Jesus is the king and that we need to let him be the one that sits on the throne of our lives. So how can we do that this Christmas? How can we make sure that Jesus is the king, the king that was promised to David so long ago? Well, 
some examples, some possible ways of just remembering to pray, maybe as a family. Just taking time to read the Christmas story before opening the presents, taking, taking time to thank God afterwards. Or even as a family, thinking about what are some ways we can do as a family or as friends. Or we think taking time for yourself. What are something I can do myself to make King, to make Jesus the King this Christmas? And I love that Jesus is King because that means he's given us commands as well. So when in doubt, there's also lots of things he's already told us to do. For example, he commands us as King to love our neighbors. Maybe that means inviting over some neighbors for a Boxing Day dinner or a Christmas Eve dinner. Maybe that means inviting over that neighbor that you don't really want to associate with, but you know they don't have family to invite them to a Christmas dinner. Maybe that means inviting them to yours. And I'm not making any illusions. I'm not sure I'd want to do that either. But Jesus is king, and we need to make him king. I need to make him king in my life as well. And one other thing about Jesus being king that I love is that we have a built-in excuse to follow his command to reach out, to share the gospel, to go and make disciples of all nations. We have a built-in excuse in our calendar to talk about Jesus. How awesome is that? When people ask you what you are doing for Christmas, you can tell them that you are celebrating the birth of the single most important person and God in your life. You can use this as an excuse. What are you doing for Christmas? What did you get for Christmas? Use it as an opportunity in your conversations to tell them about Jesus, to tell them about what Jesus means to you, that he is the person that gives you purpose, hope, direction, that he loves them, that he was willing to humble himself and come to earth as a baby, and that he is king in your life. Take advantage of that. So God keeps his promises, and Christmas can remind us of that. God keeps his promises. He kept his promise to Abraham of blessing all the nations. He kept that promise through Jesus, who is the blessing, the greatest blessing of all. He kept his promise with David that his kingdom would endure forever, and he kept that promise through Jesus. So Jesus keeps his promises, but he doesn't just keep his promises with Abraham and David. How much more, if God can keep his promise over thousands and thousands of years from Abraham and David until now, how much more will he keep his promises in our daily lives each and every day? Christmas means that God keeps his promises not just to the patriarchs such a long time ago, but he keeps his promises today to each and every one of us. And this December, let's take some time to remember that God keeps those promises each and every minute of our day. I was so thankful to have the opportunity last weekend to spend some time on an island just with my dad and brother. And part of that time was just being able to sit and being able to reflect and pray and spend some time sitting in a chair, a white plastic chair on top of a cliff overlooking the green and blue water below with the sun reflecting off of it and just taking time to sit and listen and hear God and just be reminded of his promises. 
I didn't hear any distinct audible voice telling me that I'm supposed to do that or this. God can do that. But for me, it was just amazing to be reminded of the things that God has promised. He's promised through Abraham, through David, and to this day. Promises that his plan's far greater than mine. That I shouldn't settle for what the, gir- the world says is good, but strive for what God knows is good. So this December, it may not be sitting on a cliff overlooking the ocean, but I'd encourage each of you to take some time to reflect on God's promises in your life. And are you acting on them? Are you stepping out in faith based on the promises that God has given? Are you remembering that he's always there with you? Are you remembering that God promised to always love you? Christmas means that God keeps his promises. So as we wrap up, let's remember that. Amidst the busy Christmas shopping, amidst the busy meal preparation and school finishing and job, amidst the holidays and the busyness, let's remember that God keeps his promises. Jesus is the ultimate blessing and the greatest king of kings and lords of lord, lord of lords. He demands our allegiance. And let's remember amidst the joy, the friends and the family, the good food, the cheer, that Christmas means that God keeps his promises. Let us pray. Dear God, I thank you this morning that we can come and remember that you keep your promises not just over a thousand years, but even to this day, to this hour, to this minute and the second. Promises like your word never returns empty-handed, God. I just pray as we go from here, God, help us to remember that. Help us to act on that, that you are king, you are the blessing, God. And I pray even as the conversations occur afterwards, God, that you would remind people of their worth, of their promises that you have made to each of us, God, and that we would be willing to share that with others this Christmas season, God. In your precious name, God, amen.